Welcome to another edition of Food Systems Podcast, brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. My name is Mark Fittrington. I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Shari Roger-Fiddler, the Chief Executive of the Chicago-based Farm Foundation. Shari, thank you for joining us. Let me start by asking you about the Farm Foundation and the role it plays and, and what you're trying to achieve. Great. Thanks, Mark. And thanks for the invitation to join you today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation and, um, and to seeing you soon in Europe as well, which we'll talk about uh, soon as well. So first, the Farm Foundation was established in the 1930s, uh, right after the Dust Bowl, as what we believe was the first U.S. Ag uh, Institute, especially focusing on policy. So we've been here for nearly 90 years uh, trying to advance agriculture. Right now, we position ourselves as a think tank, do tank, really trying to accelerate practical solutions for agriculture. And the levers we use to do that are policy, innovation, and education. And we prioritize four thematic areas, some of which we'll be talking about today, in fact. So we focus on farmer health, digital ag, markets, including trade, and sustainability, which I think will be one of our core topics for today. When you think about your role, Shari, um, and you talked about solutions being solutions, a, a do tank as well as a think tank, let's talk about climate in, in that respect. Do you think that agriculture can play a role as a climate solution? And as a follow-up to that, one of the questions we often hear asked is, is whether if agriculture can indeed be a climate solution, how compatible is that or isn't it? with farmers' primary role as a food producer? Right, well, the short answer is that agriculture can absolutely play a big role in both climate mitigation and adaptation. And there are many places where this is already underway, but just not at scale yet. But before diving into that, I do just wanna step back and add one more dimension about Farm Foundation that I didn't mm. mention in my intro, and that Farm Foundation is a nonpartisan, non-lobbying, big tent ag organization with farmers and ranchers of all shapes and sizes across the U.S. Mm. And I'm also a fifth generation farm owner operator myself. So during our discussion today, I'll try to make it clear when I'm pivoting to my personal view and to a Farm Foundation view. Um, so with that in mind, I think with my Farm Foundation hat on, I'd say that agri agriculture can be a very powerful and critical lever for climate solutions through many of the practices that farmers and ranchers have been investing in, such as soil health practices of no-till and cover crops, as well as the use of various precision ag tools and more. And in fact, the regenerative ag movement that I know you and I've talked uh, quite a bit about um, in mm -hmm. the past really supports climate solutions and is especially strong with the investors um, across the sector and food companies. Mm -hmm. But I'd say with my farmer hat on, I'd say there's a big gap between what's going on at the corporate and investor level and what's going on at the farm level, especially in the US and especially in my own home state and county uh, where I farm. Mm. Um, and I think that leads to your, your second question about um, you know, how compatible is, is thinking about climate solutions and the farmer's primary role. And if you think about the farmer's primary role as really providing food, feed, fuel and fiber I, I do think that it still is very compatible with all of those roles that farmers play. But I'd say it's not necessarily the goal or top of mind for most farmers and producers. Um, you know, really for most, especially family operations, it's about providing a sustainable operation, uh, you know, providing food and, and income for their families. 
um, investing in the soil health is still though part of that to create a sustainable operation. So I'd say it's not, you know, necessarily top of mind for most farmers and ranchers, but that it is a co-benefit. Uh, so I don't think it's a competing uh, goal, but a co-benefit of many of the things that farmers and ranchers are doing. I'd be interested in your perspective, Shari. It's, it's something that we look at here in Europe as well as to, I mean, you touched on it. What What is the extent of the interest, do you think, amongst farmers and ranchers in, in terms of playing that dual role, if indeed they are? And, and what is it that, that motivates them to do it? Is it, is it market-based incentives? Is it, um, is it government intervention? What, what, what enables them to, to, to think more broadly, perhaps, about um, playing that role as a climate solution in addition to their primary role as food producers? So I think the, the truth of it is that the interest varies widely um, across the whole U.S. sector and in the farmers and ranchers that we have here at Farm Foundation in, in our uh, organization as well. Um, I would say in terms of my own farm and, and the role that I have at Farm Foundation, I actually just kind of signal the importance in that connection. I actually have a jar uh, that's one of those food preservation jars on my desk that has some of the soil from my farm to show that uh, symbolic connection between what we're doing on the farm and food um, and all the benefits there. Yeah. But back to, you know, how it varies widely, you know, when I first took this role, actually, um, you know, people told me to be very sensitive since we're big tent about even using the word climate and climate solutions as a signal for how much it really still varies across uh, farmers and ranchers. Mm. But I think even over the last few years, I've seen some studies that whereas in the past, maybe farmers and ranchers did not accept or believe in climate change. Uh, the stats now show that about 80% of farmers and ranchers do believe in climate change. But where the difference might be is, is what the causes are and, and maybe also what the solutions are, mm -hmm. as well as the role that government and private sector uh, should play there. Mm -hmm. As to the, the motivations, um, again, just starting on my own farm, uh, where we are doing no-till and cover crops, we did not start with the mindset of, oh, we want to do this to save the planet or for climate solutions. We started with very practical problems, um, you know, field level problems that we were trying to solve, especially where we couldn't uh, irrigate. And so we started using cover crops for that purpose, you know, found the many benefits of some of these, um, whether you call them soil health practices, regenerative ag practices or climate solutions, and have been doubling them ever since um, for the last several years across our operation. So I think for most farmers, it begins with those kind of practical solutions at a field level, farm level, operational level. Mm. But I think to your, your second question, though, about so, you know, what's the role of government versus the markets? Um, <clears throat> I think there in the U.S. Um, and globally, I think we're seeing some really strong market signals um, and I'd say before the Biden administration, that was the clearest place that those market signals uh, were really trying to affect change for climate solutions with farmers by having direct contracts with farmers and ranchers, really to back up the big bets and big commitments that um, you know some of these food companies are making, whether it's General Mills, uh, PepsiCo, Nestle, et cetera. And those may seem really huge and big when you see those numbers, you know, of, of several million acres of commitments that these big global um, food companies are making. Mm. 
but that's really still a small percent um, in terms of, of change at scale. But those are still some of those clear early market signals and motivations for those few farmers really who are, who are asked to participate uh, in those contracts and who have access and information about those particular contracts. Hmm. Then with the Biden administration, um, the government role, I think, started to shift, um, you know, and this is still an ongoing debate, um, you know, within Farm Foundation and across the U.S. of what the role of the U.S. government should be and the market uh, should be in climate solutions, whether the government role should be, um, you know, supporting farmers through conservation programs, which is the traditional role, I'd say, or some of the innovation strategies that both the, the previous administration and the current administration are using, or really making bigger, bigger bets and commitments at the government level, which we're seeing the Biden administration doing with their climate smart ag investments. Um, I'll, I'll take a pause there. I'm happy to also talk through about what Farm Foundation is is doing here, but um, yeah, there's a number of things that you said there, um, Shari, that resonate. I also had the privilege to spend some time with U.S. growers myself um, over the course of this this summer and into the fall, and and probably two things do stand out from that. One is is the access to the to the knowledge and the advice and and the support in terms of making a transition to some of these regenerative ag, uh, practices that that are seen as supporting agriculture as a climate solution i think the 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 second area is is being able to navigate the multiple schemes and programs whether they are government based or market based uh, on which ones growers should should get involved with um, so how is the Farm Foundation supporting them, trying to work with, um, with growers that are, are perhaps thinking about jumping into this space? Yes, I, I really appreciate that question. Again, both from my own farming perspective, where, you know, probably now more than ever before, there are so many opportunities, um, both from the market and from the government, that farmers need to really sort through especially, you know, whether it's small to mid-sized and even some of the larger operations, it takes a lot of time um, and effort to sort through all of these opportunities. So Farm Foundation is trying to help in both the access to the information and helping, helping folks navigate them, even though we cannot advocate for a certain, you know, solution or option out there. But a few of the things that we do on a regular basis um, are we have our issue reports and our forums and over the last several years, uh, we've used those for both uh, digital ag and conservation solutions, which was maybe some of the prior language that was used for this space. And now climate smart solutions through carbon markets. Uh, we launched an issue paper this year and a couple of forums on the topic. And the issue paper really tried to lay out what are the different opportunities out there, um, you know, by company, by name, um, but not advocating either of them, any of them, but simply trying to lay out the information for farmers and, and other related organizations to, to try to have it in a one-stop shop to sort through them. And then, as I said, the forum uh, to really help discuss it further. The third thing that we're doing that I'm really excited about is we are actually launching an innovation and education farm as both a national and global resource um, here in the Chicagoland area to really help all stakeholders better understand some of the key farm level issues and how they relate to these market and policy issues as well. 
whether it's soil health, regenerative ag, climate smart solutions, to be able to show and tell um, in a very, hopefully more, um, a, a way that helps lead to deeper understanding than we can even through some of our traditional tools. Mm. I have to say, Sherry, I'm very much looking forward. Uh, if uh, if I receive an invitation, if I'm lucky enough to receive an invitation to uh, visit your innovation farm um, anytime soon. Um, just going back to the role of government and um, the Biden administration in particular, um, clearly very active uh, over the, the course of the, the summer, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act you know, clearly has measures to, to, to support agriculture in this area. Um, we're talking just a couple of days after the midterm elections. Not all the uh, votes have been counted and results declared. Do you have any initial thoughts on on how that might impact the direction um, that the Biden administration has, has taken in this area and how successful it might be in getting its policy and legislative agenda through over the next two years and, and perhaps even beyond? Yes, I mean, what an exciting week with both COP27 going on and the U.S. elections. And I certainly wish I had a crystal ball to know, you know, what will happen. But obviously, I don't. Uh, but I'm happy to share a few observations and thoughts. And certainly, as, as we all know, just from reading the news and watching the news, the Biden administration has certainly made some bold plans and commitments uh, for climate solutions with, you know, over $370 billion, I think, is the number of, of mm financial commitments and uh, to climate policies and programs really across the federal government, including the USDA. And, you know, going into the midterms, it looked like it might be possible that we would see, you know, what the news is calling a tsunami wave of change in the composition of the seats, you know, shifting to, to the Republican Party. But what we saw was really a historic voter turnout um, that, that I think really changed things um, unexpectedly. And we still don't know the final outcome, as you mentioned, um, but it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be quite the strong shift that was expected. But nonetheless, I think there will still be headwinds for sure for the Biden administration's climate agenda. But I also think the current commitments will likely still move forward, but just not further additive ones um, is, is my personal perspective. Yeah. But as I talked to the universities uh, that we're engaged with and some of the partners who received some of this uh, government funding already and those commitments, I think that even the current commitments that are out there will really, will really continue to advance the research on climate smart ag for the next several years, um, despite any headwinds. Mm -hmm. But as for the farm bill though coming up, I think that's another key point that people are interested in and, and how will this possibly affect the farm bill. And at Farm Foundation, we launched an issue paper recently on whether the farm bill will be evolutionary or revolutionary. And, you know, we launched it before the midterms, knowing that the midterms might, you know, cast a, a different light on that. Um, and I think prior to the midterms, we thought there was a possibility of seeing a revolutionary farm bill for the for the first time in several years. And that's what the authors uh, really teased out in the issue paper. But I think those chances are probably reduced now um, after the midterms. Um, and we'll actually be hosting a forum on December 6th on this topic, um, which will also land on our website um, if anyone wants to check that out. Fascinating to look at the policy developments that we've, we've seen in the United States. Um, they they mirror to, to some extent what the European Union itself has been doing with its, its Green Deal and uh, supporting policy and, and legislation from 
farm to fork to the work it's been doing on carbon removals, a soil health strategy coming uh, next year, and and similarly multi-billion euro investment in its horizon research program to um, to support that. Um, there does seem to be um, something of an alignment um, or, or certainly commonality between the US and the EU approach in this area. Um, looking ahead, Shari, you, you're going to join the delegation I know that's coming to Brussels at the beginning of December um, for the US-EU collaboration platform on agriculture, which was um, launched last year. Um, with all that in mind, what, what are your expectations ahead of that and, and what do you hope to get out of it? Well, first, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, uh, coming out of COVID, many of us didn't get to travel as much as we would have. And this will be my first trip to Europe uh, post-COVID. So just on a personal level and an organizational level, really looking forward to re-engaging uh, there in Europe. Um, you mentioned, you know, alignment between the U.S. and EU on some things. I, I also think with Farm Foundation, you know, the language of our mission is to build trust and understanding at the intersections of agriculture and society. And that's the language that is being used for this gathering in Brussels as well. That's that similar language about building understanding between the delegates gathered from the EU and the US, looking at where we are aligned and where we might not be aligned. And I think uh, understanding where we're already aligned um, is, is good to do, especially in this increasingly polarized world. Um, but then, better understanding where and why some of the differences um, exist between the EU and US. You know, and my hunch is that some of the why might be around the different um, structure, size, and scale of agriculture in Europe and the US, as well as perhaps a different view on the role of government and the private sector um, for affecting change. Um, then again, on the Farm Foundation level, uh, another thing I'm looking forward to is that we are at Farm Foundation really advancing a few projects with the EU and USDA during 2023. So I'm hoping to find more um, opportunities to, to really further and advance some of that work while I'm there too, through some of the relationships uh, that we can uh, begin to build there too. Finally, as we come to the end of our um, session today, Shari, um, perhaps to take that global perspective, and you, you've mentioned COP27, which is obviously taking place as, as we speak. Um, the Farm Foundation recently joined with ourselves at the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, the Australian Farm Institute and Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute. Um, we've worked with you to launch the Global Forum for Farm Policy and Innovation. Be interested to, to understand, and I'm sure our listeners would too, what, what motivated you to take, if I may say, such a leading role in establishing this new global forum? And, and what are your hopes for what it can achieve? Well, as many things in life, I think it came from both an opportunity and a challenge that I saw. So uh, we at Farm Foundation for several years had had an informal partnership and relationship with the Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute. And we really valued those opportunities to better understand um, the Canadian perspective. And we held some joint events um, around trade in particular. So, you know, having, having had a good experience there, I, I saw it as an opportunity to expand uh, and try to find some other similar organizations. The challenge I mentioned is that I think in the US and, and probably this is true in other countries too, 
much of the ag sector is really focused domestically on the issues and needs of our domestic farmers and, and for good reason. But I think we all know that really the food and ag sector is global. It's a global system. And so I thought it was a, a challenge of having this kind of domestic, but trying to find ways that made sense to expand to a global uh, focus. And so with that in mind, with both the challenge and the opportunity lens, really tried to look for other similar sister organizations that, that still had the values that, that we hold um, as critical of that nonpartisan, non-lobbying, evidence-based organizations. And so we were really thrilled to find um, additional partners, as you mentioned, the Australian Farm Institute um, and, and your organization there at the forum to join with us. And we just started gathering informally um, over the last year and saw a lot of energy and momentum from it, probably beyond my expectations, um, to, to try to have an impact from, from these uh, discussions and collaboration. And I think as we started to gather, we, we tried to look at what do we want to have an impact on. And so for 2023, we've aligned on really focusing on trade and sustainability as our focus. And we're in the middle of trying to do some planning for what that might look like probably towards the end of 2023. So I'm, I'm really encouraged by the energy and momentum um, with these partners in this collaboration and really look forward to advancing these activities in 2023. Mm, well, we certainly at, at our end, um, Shari, are looking forward to, to working with all of you on this initiative, welcoming you into our program and, and contributing ourselves where we can to uh, to both you all individually and also um, to what the Global Forum um, will ultimately do in 2023. It's been a pleasure to work with you so far on that. Um, Shari, I, I want to thank you um, sincerely for taking the time to join us uh, today. It's been wonderful talking to you as always, and we really do appreciate your time. So on behalf of the Forum for the Future of Agriculture and our partners, many thanks indeed for joining us today. It was my pleasure, Mark, and thank you so much again for having me here today. Look forward to more to come. You've been listening to Food Systems Podcast, brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm.